pretty amazing uh, to see all those people from the Mount Hope community uh, sharing that verse in their in their the language that they they speak. And I just noticed at the end that should have said Salvatore for any, not Santi for any. But I appreciate. I heard Sal that you learned Italian just for this video. Is that true? Which is fantastic. We really appreciate that. We appreciate you putting in that sort of effort uh, for the church. That's great. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. Uh, if we don't know each other, my name is Brian. I'm the pastor here at Mount Hope in Belmont, and I'm excited uh, to open up God's Word with you today. We are ending, as Carmelina said earlier, we're ending our global outreach celebration together today. And we're going to do that uh, by looking at the end of the Bible. We're going to look at Revelation chapter 5 together in just a moment. So even if you don't know your Bible that well, uh, Revelation should be a fairly simple book to find. You just turn to the back. It's the last one. Um, if you hit the concordance or the index or something, you've gone too far. Uh, but back up a little bit and we'll be there together. How about that opening song too? Wasn't that song great? Uh, the African song that our worship team opened up with. It was fantastic. Yeah. We also found out, I think, that Ozzy's been holding out on us. He's got a whole nother level. Uh, that we expect them to bring every single week now, right? I'm going to ask uh, Andrew, Justin, would you guys help me out for a second? We're going to pass out these post-it notes, and here's what I'd like for you to do. I would like for you to take one of these off the top of the pack that comes down your row, and we'll have to get someone up there in the balcony. Take one of these off the top of the pack that comes down your row, and then just keep passing the pack down. And once you have your post-it note, this is what I'd like for you to do. If you have a pen on you, that's great. Uh, if you don't, hopefully there's one that works in the, in the aisle and, or in the seat back in front of you. Uh, those of you who are in the front row, if you need a pen, we will more, we're more than happy to help out with that. On the post-it note, I would like you to think about and write one word that you would use to describe the world we live in right now. One word that you would use to describe the world we live in right now. And I don't mean, you know, globe-shaped. I mean, like, what, how would you describe the current state of affairs in our world? The experience of what it means to be a human on the face of this earth. give you a moment to think about that. How are we doing? Who needs, who needs a little bit more time to think of a word? The balcony still is getting their, their post-it notes, all right. We can wait. Here's what we'll do. Once you have your word on your post-it note, go ahead and on the side aisles, this will be really easy. Go ahead and pass those post-it notes towards the center. Just stick them on top of each other, right? Uh, if you're in the middle, you can, you just start sending them out to the edges, okay? And then uh, Justin and Andrew, maybe you can walk down the aisles, grab the piles, put them together in one big pile and bring them up to the front here. And we'll see who's right and who's wrong. 
Oh, Karen, thanks so much for collecting the balcony post-it notes. We got to hear from the balcony. They're closer to heaven. (laughs) They'll have the best ideas. One word that describes the current state of affairs in our world right now. All right, Justin, I'll take, I'll take what, you've, what you've got. So as we, as we keep collecting these, my guess is we're not going to go through all of these. All right? We're not going to be able to go through all of these. But here's, here's some of the words that are, that are coming up, okay? So divided is, is one word that I see here. Okay, I, I like this. Frustrating. And I'll try to group some of these together here. What do you got there, Andrew? Give me a word. Overwhelming. Here, I'm just going to start. I'm just going to start saying overwhelming, confused, <laughs> insane. What else do you have, Andrew? Chaotic. All right. Divided again. So we've got that up here. And someone tore their post-it note in half just to symbolize divided. That was great. <laughs> Chaotic again. Chaotic. Someone just wrote hell. Someone wrote hopeful. I like that. Let's get a positive one going right? Hopeful, something positive in this world. Sure. Uh, Transactional. That's a good word. Chaotic again. Got anything else? Materialism, divided, broken, hate-filled, chaos, getting worse. What else you got? Unpredictable. Prophesied. Someone sees things from the Bible coming about. Difficult. Crazy, a lot of chaos. A couple more, Andrew. Two more. What do you got? A blank one. Someone challenges, temptations. Let me give you a couple more in my stack. Thanks, Andrew. Um, someone wrote loved. I'm going to put that up here with hopeful. It's a good thing. Polarized, divided. So here's the words. Here's the words that we're, we're coming up with as a congregation to describe our world right now. We can go through more of these later, but I think a lot of them. Innovative. See, I like that. There's a positive one, too. That's a good one. So this is where our world is right now. This is the kind of words we're using. There's, there are things that are good in our world. There's hopeful things. Our world is certainly an innovative place, right? We could argue about where all of our innovations take us, whether that's a good place or a bad place. Right? Did Facebook take us to a good place or a bad place? We could, we could talk about all of that. But there's a lot of great things that we can celebrate about our world. Right? This isn't just a, an exercise to try and bash the world we live in. There's a lot of beautiful things about the world we live in. But it is also divided and frustrating and overwhelming and confused. And it does feel insane. And it is a very transactional place. And chaotic is probably the word that we just saw the most through all these. Chaotic and divided are probably the two that came up the most. And so if we were going to think about the opposite of that, the complete opposite of what we live in now, and some of these things would, would, we would want to keep if we had this desired future that we thought about, right? I would want to keep hope in a desired future. I hope I'm not saying something super controversial there. I hope we're all in agreement. We would want to keep hope, Right? We would want to keep love in a desired future. Those are good things that I'm, that I'm seeing on the post-it notes that people have put. 
But what's the opposite of divided? If we had the complete opposite of that, united, okay? What's the opposite of frustrating? Peace, okay, peace. Is there chaos? What's the opposite of chaos? Order, calm. I like those words. So a place of order, a place of calm. Other words that that we see, like uh, transactional, uh, things that are getting worse. Everything says chaotic and divided that I can see here. What other words might you throw up here? Desired future. Give me one more. Christian, okay. So if this is, if this is here, then I'm just going to call this there. And I don't know, I, there might be some people in the room, and that's all right. I think a lot of us in the room would agree with this last one. There might be some of you in the room that aren't so sure about this one. That's okay. We can talk about that. See, one of the big questions that I think we struggle with as people living on this world, living in this world, and trying to figure everything out is the question of how in the world did we get here and how could we possibly get there? I think this is a question that I hear everybody talk about. Non-Christian, different religions, politicians, leaders, business leaders, civic leaders. This is what I hear them talk about. That yeah, we're here, but there's got to be a way to get over, over to there. And I don't care who I'm talking to in our world today. I feel like everybody feels this, that something's broken here and there has to be some way that we can move from here to there. The question is, how did we get here? And I'll tell you what I believe and that people who, who say they follow Jesus believe is they would say that all of this, all of this, in fact, the, the feeling that we get with the division between these two things, that there is hope in this world and yet there is something fundamentally broken in this world, it's all the result of one thing. It is all the result of the reality and the presence of sin in our world. And what we mean by that is really, really important. Because most of us, most of us, our understanding of of this word is really this word, sins. We understand that. That's what we've been preached at about. That's what we've been taught. That's what if you went to Catholic school, you grew up with this. If you grew up in the church, you heard about this. If you grew up even in, outside the church, you heard about this. This idea of, of sins. And sins are absolutely in the Bible, but sins are like the things that we do. I lied, I cheated, I stole, I pushed my sister. All of those things end up being in this category here. All those things that you would bring to church and feel guilty about and ask for forgiveness for, that are our sins. But see, the reality of the word, world that we live in is a result of something different. See, the Bible talks about a force, a power of sin that has invaded every area of this world. 
And yes, it is there because we have chosen to go our own way. God said, just do it my way. Do these things. Don't do these things. And we said, no, thank you. We'll try it our own way. And the result of that is that there is both sin and sins in the world. And this reality leads to a division between these two things. It leads to the feeling that things are getting worse. And it also leads to our individual struggles with sins. And so whether you buy this piece of it or not, the division is real, right? You feel this. And I promise you, in our midterm elections, you hear a lot about this. Voting day is coming up. I think Christians should do that. And we're going to hear a lot about this. When people run for president in another year or so, it always seems to start too early. But when people start running for president and campaigning, we hear a lot about this. A lot of promises. Everyone, everyone has a plan to get us from here to there. All the movements that we've seen in our country over decades are all efforts to get us from here to there. And many of those are good things. And yet they never fully do what we want them to do or hope that they do. And the reality of this division can be a really hard thing for us to deal with. And when I look at Revelation chapter 5, I feel like I see the author of this book dealing with this reality. And in fact, at one point, overwhelmed with the reality that it seems impossible for us to go from here to there. Revelation, if you're not very familiar with the Bible, Revelation is, is a prophetic book. It talks about things that have yet to happen. It talks about things that are, that are going to occur at the end of this world. That's what this book is about. And so what we have here is a vision. And yes, many of the things that are in the book of Revelation can be difficult to understand at first glance. But what we need to understand is that this vision was written by a man named John, who was, disciple, who was a disciple of Jesus. If you're familiar with the Gospel of John or the letters of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John in the New Testament, this is the same John that is writing the book of Revelation. And he is imprisoned on an island called Patmos when he's writing this. And he is living in a time where Christians and people who follow Jesus are being persecuted and mistreated. And the entire church is feeling this reality that they are hopeful, but that they are also suffering great persecution. And they want to go from here to there. And it is out of this reality that John's book, that this vision is received and written down. So part of the vision here in Revelation chapter 5 says this. In verse 1, John writes, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, that's God, a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break the seals? Now here's, here, stick with me for one second. When John sees this vision, we got to put ourselves in John's shoes. When John sees the vision, the scroll is a scroll containing a message 
from God. The scroll would have been sealed. The text says it's sealed with seven seals. So a scroll in ancient times would have been rolled up, many times wax dripped on the scroll, right? You've watched all these shows on TV. So wax dripped on the scroll, they'd, they'd press the king's ring into it. And it's just like our mail today, right? I mean, right now you can't go open up someone else's mail. That's a, that's a crime to open up someone else's mail. Same thing back in their day. You couldn't break the seal unless the message was intended for you. You had to be worthy of breaking the seal. John would have seen this scroll. Stick with me for one second. John would have seen this scroll and he would have recognized this scroll as a message from God, a message that would have contained, if I can paraphrase, the words that are needed to go from here to there. And the question is, Who can open the message? And John writes in verse 3, And no one, no one in heaven or earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. The result of discovering a lack of power and ability to go from here to there leaves people devastated. I mean, you know in our culture that things like depression and loneliness and anxiety are at all-time high. I really believe that there's a tie between this reality and that statistic. That people are told, if you just dig down deep inside of yourself and try hard enough, I mean, if you really want it, if you listen to the right podcasts and you read the right books and you get in the right mindset and you do that day after day after day, eventually... You will be able to take yourself, if you follow all the right people, put the right people in the positions of power, do all the right things, you can take yourself. We can take ourselves from here to there. And the reality is, we try everything that we can think of to do it. And a lot of these are good things that I'm 100% in favor of. But they never get us all the way. And John finds himself weeping loudly. Because here he is, marooned on this island, imprisoned on this island because of his faith. And he knows his fellow Christians are being beaten and persecuted for their faith. And he's struggling between this, with this battle, as is the church, between being hopeful and frustrated and chaotic and insane and all of these words. And he's saying, I can't figure out as I'm alone on this island with this vision, how in the world we're getting from here to there. And you might be sitting here this morning feeling the exact same way. I know no matter how long I live this Christian life, I find myself back in this place sometimes. 
especially as I struggle with the reality of, of the things that go wrong in our world, and we're praying for God to move, and we're praying for God to do things, and sometimes God just doesn't move as quick as we want him to, or sometimes I see him do something for one person, but he doesn't do the thing for the other person, and I wonder why, and all of this reality of the power of sin and death that's affecting our world. The stories I hear, someone, someone was telling me a couple weeks ago that their coworker who was in his early 40s just passed away suddenly leaving his family. And now I just heard of another coworker of someone who's in their late 40s that's, that's in a very dire situation. And I think about all of those things and the things your family's dealing with and my family's dealing with and our culture is dealing with. And it's sometimes I can't help but get myself in that situation. And I bet some of you are sitting here right now and you deal with this tension regularly. You're working your tail off trying to trust God and figure out how to get from this place to this place. And eventually, so many of us find ourselves breaking down in frustration, just like John. And that's where you and I need verse 5. One of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Elder comes to John and says, weep no more. And all of those terms, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, all of those terms refer back to Jesus. And he says to John, don't weep over this reality. Don't be overwhelmed by this reality. Instead, know that the one who is able to change all of this, the one who has power and authority to take us from here to there, that he is alive and well in Jesus Christ. And the reality of that leads everyone who is in the presence of God at that moment into incredible worship. You heard a couple of people around the room say amen, because that's what that leads us to is the reality that Jesus is the one that takes us from this place to this place. And he's the only one that can do it. Leads to great worship. Look at verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. You say, Pastor, how does this all work? Well, here's what I believe as a follower of Jesus. And if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, I hope that you believe this too. For a long time, I looked at my faith in Jesus as like a, a get out of hell free card. I got this stack of, of community chest and chance cards there on the board. And like I just pick up, I picked up and I got that get out of hell free card. Trust in Jesus, pray the prayer, follow him. And then that's the deal. When I die, I go to heaven and I don't go to hell. Now I still think that's true. I just think that's a very limited understanding of what it really is. And I find that when I go to talk to people. It used to be that when we tried to share what we believe as Christians, you could say to people, you know how you feel guilty for all that bad stuff you do? 
And they would say, yeah, I know how I feel guilty. And we would say, well, you need to be forgiven of those things. We'd speak to sins. Do you know what I find the hard part is now in today's world, in today's culture? Is I talk to people and I say, you know how you feel guilty for all the bad things you do? And they go, no. Nope. I don't feel guilty. What do you mean bad things? I don't feel guilty. And that kind of stops me in my tracks. If that's my presentation of what Jesus does, if that's my only understanding of what he does, it's really hard to share that in that moment. Say, hey, you know all those bad things you do? And everyone in our world goes, no, I don't feel guilty. Everyone told me since I was a kid not to feel guilty about anything that I do. So I don't. So what do you say? But what I find in our world is if I say, you know how the world's messed up? They say, yeah, absolutely it is. Injustice, unfairness, anxious, the world's a mess. And I say, you know how that leads you to do things that you're not really proud of? Yeah, I know how that works. The reality is Jesus is not the one who takes away your sins. He has ransomed your life, the text says, by his blood, by dying on the cross, by shedding his blood. He pays the price that we cannot pay ourselves for turning our backs on God and allowing this reality to exist. But he doesn't just say you're forgiven. He also says, and if you look at the text in Revelation chapter 21, he says something different. He says, behold, I am making all things new. Which means he doesn't just give you a get-out-of-jail-free card. He doesn't just hand you this card that when you die, you play at the gates of heaven and you say, oh, well, I have this card, this orange card that Jesus gave me. It says, get into heaven free here. But it means that when you begin to follow Jesus Christ, you are participating, not just in being forgiven of your sin, but you are participating in the entire plan to be, prepare a kingdom of all, every tribe and every nation and every tongue. Some of us feel like God is into nation building. He's into kingdom building. That through Jesus Christ, he builds a kingdom that is global, that incorporates anyone who calls on the name of Jesus Christ. And he takes us from here, ultimately all the way to there. And if you continue reading through the book of Revelation, as every seal of this scroll is broken, it's another movement from this place to this place. And the ultimate renewal of all things isn't a heaven where you sit on clouds and play a harp with a halo. That's what cartoonists have got given us. And somehow we think that that's in the Bible. But we see a new heaven and a new earth recreated. But this is the reality, not this. The Bible says if you want to be a part of this reality, it requires your participation in what Jesus is doing. And how do you participate? You participate as an individual by coming to him and betting your entire life that this is true. That's what you do. You come in and you say, I'm sorry for the way that I've lived. I trust you. You take control. 
You, got, you got, are in charge of my life now. I already know, because I tried a million times, that I can't take myself from here to there. I already know that no one else in this world can take us from here to there because they've promised for years that they're going to do it. they promised for generations they're going to do it, and it never seems to work out. So I'm betting my entire life, I'm trusting you that you are the one that knows how to do this and that you've proved it by your death and resurrection. That's what it means to participate in what Jesus Christ is doing. And when that happens, a process begins in your life where you become like Christ over time by the Holy Spirit. And you participate in the work that God is doing in our world. That's how it looks as an individual. And when we come together for these three weeks in October, every single year as a church, and we talk about global outreach and missions, and we talk about all of our partners that are around the world, what we're talking about is participation. Participation not only in what God is doing in Belmont, not only what God is doing in your heart and my heart, but participation in what he is doing across the globe in bringing about restoration and renewal and making all things new. My biggest, I'm going to end this time together by talking about some numbers around our missions program. We do this every year. But my goal today is not just to talk about dollar values with you. My goal today, if you leave today and your biggest takeaway is that God is, is making all things new through Jesus Christ and your role is to participate in that as an individual and to follow him and allow him to cleanse you by his blood and allow him to take control of your life and lead you into his presence so that you are here, that's the best takeaway you could have. But for those of you who call Mount Hope home, I want to talk about what our participation has looked like over the last year and what God is doing around the world. Very quickly, when it comes to global outreach at Mount Hope, we have a, we have a goal with the way that we steward the, the resources that God has given to us. Uh, the, church, the church as a whole allocates their missions resources. 4% of those resources go to what we call unreached people groups, meaning groups of people that really have no Bible in their language or a very, very uh, limited understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. 16% to formative nations, meaning that there is a church presence, but it's not that active. I believe 2% is the tipping point there. So if you have 2% of the population Christian, it goes to a formative nation. And then an established nation is like, is like the U.S., right? Where the church is allowed to operate. It may not uh, be the number one thing people do, but it's, you can preach and you can teach and it's open to that. So the global church is 4, 16, and 80, but we have a different target at Mount Hope. Our target in our, in our global outreach uh, resources is to give 50% of our money to the unreached people groups and missionaries going to that group, people that don't have the scriptures yet in their language, uh, 30% to formative nations and 20% to established. That's just what we feel like God has called us to do. So the question is, are we hitting our goal? And you can see that in 2007, uh, where our percentages were, and now we're right on our target. And these are our, our global outreach partners around the world, people that you and I are supporting um, every single month. There's a map here that will show you uh, all of our partners who are around the world. Might have gotten frozen, but there is a map, I promise you. And it's amazing what God's allowed us to do. 
to have all these partners around the globe. And it's an awesome thing to talk to these partners and to have them come. Like last week, we had Don Butera, who serves in Indonesia, uh, and, and his wife Carol were with us, and Jason uh, Morris and his entire family were with us the week before. They serve in Vietnam. And so here we go. This is, it. like I said, this is not the big takeaway today, but I want to share this with you. So last year, from 2021 to 2022, last year we saw, as we, as we took uh, faith promises in October for the year that we're in, we saw a 9% drop in total faith promises. So you can see our faith promises were going up there. And then last year we dropped from 166,000, which, I mean, to 151,000. It's hard to be upset about $151,000 for missions. But we saw a 9% drop, right? You said to us, pastors, we're, we're done with this, right? We don't, we don't like this anymore. All right, so we saw a 9% drop. But it turns out that you're actually still engaged in global outreach and missions. You just don't want to fill out the faith promise card for some reason. Because we saw a 13% increase in the actual money that came in and that we were able to send out to our, our global outreach partners. So, I mean, this is amazing what God has done among us between Burlington and Belmont. I mean, we, we are... We are a few hundred people together, but we're not a massive megachurch. And we were able to send $188,000 over this last year to global outreach partners around the world. And I think that's pretty amazing. And I would love it if we would celebrate that just for a moment. That's a pretty cool thing that God's allowed us to do. And let me tell you what's happening. Let me tell you what's happening around the globe very quickly. Thomas and Cassie Vanderlaan, who are part of this church, they lived three blocks that way until just a few months ago. This is how the movement is happening. The restoration is occurring. Last summer, God told us to expect a transition. And we've been working a whole year to figure out what and how this looks like. We heard about a big push for campus missionaries because Thomas works on campuses as a missionary, college campuses. We heard a big push about a big push to Southern California for campus missionaries. And we thought, oh, good for them. We'll pray that God sends the right people. In April, our family took a trip to Southern California to visit my aging parents, because Thomas is from Southern California. After we returned home, it hit us. God's calling us to Southern California. He's been preparing us for years. And he says this. He says, God's calling you too. It's clear. Matt and Marissa said, a young refugee who's been coming to our church with his friend has recently received Christ and is going to be baptized this week. From Jason, he said, in July 2022, our faith fellowship had the blessing of hosting a medical outreach at the center of a major Hindu cities. We have testimonies of people being supernaturally healed by faith in the name of Jesus. And we prayed for many non-Christians in the city. Thierry said, I had the privilege of visiting a remote island that has only recently had the gospel. My partners and I were able to baptize three people after spending five days in a small village there. Don said the head of one of our villages that we're working with was just baptized. Dennis and Jenny say every week we continue to hold our English conversation club, social activities, and Bible studies, and each week we meet new people from the community. Only a couple have believed in Jesus as Lord, but we believe in the coming months many more will become believers and followers of Christ. And from Scott and Diana, remember all of these, most of these people are in places where it's not legal to be Christian. I can't publicly wear a cross, my friend John said, after proudly displaying his newly designed necklace that he made of a dove. 
I can't publicly wear a cross, but I can wear the Holy Spirit, he said. We thought it was brilliant. We're so proud of John. After five months in Europe, he excelled in training for his career and became the first person from his country ever to receive this training. He told us how much he enjoyed being a Christian in open public, experiencing the freedom to share Jesus with whomever and whenever he wanted without any concerns and pressures from the government and his family. However, when it came time to either return home or apply for asylum in Europe, he felt the Lord calling him home to preach the gospel to his people. Those are the kinds of things that are happening as we participate in what God is doing. Those of you who have been at Mount Hope for a while, you know what we do. In front of you, in the, in the seat back pockets, there's these faith promise cards. Those of you who are already participating in global outreach giving, if you can help us, as you can see from my graphs, it's really helpful to know ahead of time. We're considering six new partners. So if we know resources are coming in, we will take on new partners. And so if you'd like to participate in that, here's the card. There's a couple other ways you can participate. You can on the back say, I'm willing to pray for our global outreach partners. Lori and I do this for a couple of our partners and every single month, Lifeong sends us the newsletters from global outreach partners in China and Algeria, and we get to pray for what's happening with them. There's also the ability to participate uh, in some work that we're doing with local Afghani refugees um, who are here and, and being ministered to through one of our global outreach, par outreach partners here in Boston. There's a chance to say, I'm interested in on, going on a trip to India next year. And if there's another way that you want to contribute, there's a spot for that as well. I'm just going to ask you to prayerfully consider that as we go this morning. There's boxes in the back. There's a box right back there. There's a box over by this door. And if you'd like to participate, you could just leave that card in that box. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back forward this morning as we prepare to close. Here's the thing. My biggest prayer this morning is not that you would leave here and that you would say, oh, they just needed to get faith promise cards for missions again. We talk about this every single year because it's the work that God's doing. And the faith promise stuff, I mean, I saw a commercial on TV yesterday asking for money to save the elephants. If someone's bold enough to ask for money to save the elephants, which I'm grateful that someone's trying to save the elephants, I'm bold enough to ask for you to participate in what God's doing around the world. But I hope that you leave filled with hope that even though we are here, God through Jesus Christ by his death and resurrection on the cross is taking us here. And he is worthy. He is worthy to open the scroll and bring everything about that God has said will take place. He is able and willing to forgive you, to restore you, to make you new, and he is working to renew all of creation. So God, we thank you for that truth today. Thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And that even every glimmer of hope that we see in this world is a picture of what you are ultimately doing. We thank you for that truth. 
I pray for the person here this morning who needs to put their trust in you for the very first time. All you need to do is come before the Lord. Tell him that you're sorry for going your own way. Repent of your sin. Ask for forgiveness for your sin and say that you want to participate in the work that he's doing. And you can begin to participate. So Lord, move among us. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is the only one who is worthy of our worship. So let's stand and worship him as we close out our time together.